Hey everybody, welcome to the Indie Film Review. I'm Jared, with me is Dan, Hello. as always. I'm here, as always. That's right. We are doing movies. That's what we do here. Hey, we cover films, independent films, I might add. And uh, that's kind of what the show is. We talk about them for a bit, and then on the second half, we really kind of get into the nitty gritty and we spoil it. And uh, spoil we, there's goofs and gaffes sometimes. We just spoil yeah, it sometimes. We're spoiled. We are spoiled and we spoil it. So that's what we do here. So, Dan. Yes. We're watching In Utero. This was sent to us by the filmmaker himself. Could you please tell us what In Utero is about? Yes, absolutely. Uh, In Utero is actually Nirvana's third and final studio album with such tracks <laughs> such as Serve the Servants, My Personal Favorite, Sitless Apprentice, and Francis Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. You know, a lot of people um, talk about how this is not as mainstream <laughs> as uh, the Nevermind, their sophomore album. But, you know, I feel like it, it was a departure from the mainstream, trying to get back to their their punk rock roots, you know, and they made these really Dan, cool. Dan, what? Dan, this is not we're not covering an album. This isn't the this isn't the indie album review. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, shit. I got my days mixed up. So Royce Freeman sent this to us. This is his film that he made. It's called In Utero 2019. Oh. Did you watch the film, though? Yes. <laughs> I'm so confused whenever you said that we were reviewing a film. It's like, I did watch that uh -huh, film, uh -huh. but, you know, just In Utero, is it's, it's such a... Mm -hmm. I feel like Dan, he gets so invested in the assignment that anything with the name, he has to watch and listen to it regardless of if it's even the movie or not. And I only get an A+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. I can't get above that for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like you go you give 110%. We need to invent new letters, right? Yeah. Well, what would it be? We go backwards like a... God's A. Like a Z? Oh, a God's A. Or a Gentleman's A. Gentleman's A, yes. I like it. I like it. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Anyways, why don't you actually tell us what the movie is about? Okay, so In Utero is about a... It was weird. Like, the movie kind of just throws you into the deep end and just lets you figure it out, which was pretty interesting. It does. So we, <laughs> I'll give it my best shot just thinking about where I was put in the beginning of the film. So plot-wise, it's about a woman who is a psychopath mm -hmm. who is hell-bent on mothering a child that she lost early in her youth, and now she's a psychopathic criminal, and she's trying to abduct a baby that has not been born yet with the help of her pals, some dude I forgot the name of. Uh, Zoe is the serial killer's name. Well, not serial, just psychopath's name. And then she has... They're serial killers, too. Another girl. Yeah, yeah. She has another girl there, uh, a partner in crime, named Raven. And... Apparently, Raven, this dude, and Zoe have all abducted these two women, and you don't really find out. That is so Raven. That, <laughs> that is, is so Raven. Raven. Go ahead. But you don't really find out for like, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 minutes in the movie. You're like, oh, I get the context of what's happening here. <laughs> well, I figured it out when the glasses girl started to run away, and I'm like, I because I thought they were all together. It's not clear that they have been kidnapped. Exactly. Um, this isn't spoilers, by the way. This is like the first maybe like five minutes of the movie. So yeah, we have those four women and one guy, and it's just the beginning is them all in a car together, and you're starting to piece together that they're like running from the law. 
and you're like, okay, what's going on? But like, as you said, Dan, two of them are hostages. One woman's pregnant. The other woman is Has glasses, glasses girl who's a friend. Yeah. And then there's Raven, you know, doing That's her classic shtick. Yeah, I know. Right. So as we always like to do on this show, we're going to open it up to questions. Dan, do you have a question for me? Now, this was my my assumption is this was intentionally supposed to be misleading at the very beginning. How did you like being duped as an audience member, not knowing what the full story until you actually get the full story? So it didn't take me out of the film. I was able to figure it out pretty quickly what was going on. I kind of wish there was more backstory before we got into the main action, you know, because they do a lot of talk about. What happened at this gas station, I guess? Like the main inciting incident to make them go on the run? Okay. okay. This kind of made me mad. Sure. So you get all these fucking flashbacks throughout the movie, just kind of giving context to each of the characters. Like so many flashbacks. Almost to a point where I'm going to critique, like just it's too many flashbacks, just for me, my yes. personal taste. And we never get one single flashback to what the fuck happened in the diner or wherever they were, the gas station. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one thing I wanted to see a flashback of. And I never got it. Probably the coolest scene in the movie that they didn't show. To address my question, I, I enjoyed kind of being left in the dark. It was a really interesting way to start a movie, um, especially the way they started. Like they, they, they utilize dialogue to project you through the narrative but whenever you're only depending on dialogue in that situation because like you know you have the the girl um she was sick on the side of the road and um that one lady's like morning sickness really sucks but i'm here to take care of you so you don't know the situation like it could have been a myriad of different things that were happening so i i did like that kept me guessing it made you think that they were all in it together and you're like oh no there are definite lines being drawn some people are being held captive bonnie clyde thelma yeah. louise and george so in regards to the flashbacks and and kind of the beginning of the film i think that they could have kept us in the dark about what was going on but still shown us that scene where they kidnapped the woman. Mm -hmm. So like you could have done like the crazy couple are with Raven and she's like, are you sure we should do this? I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, listen, we're going to do it. It's everything's going to work out fine. And like, you still kind of don't know what's going on. And then we get a little back and forth. Cause like the parts I was enjoying a lot were when the spiky haired woman and the guy, I think his name is Max when they are like Zoe and Max yes. alone together. Yeah. When they're, when they're like hitting on each other and kind of talking back and forth about their relationship and her wanting to have a baby. That was like, I really liked that. I think it's also because I really liked the actress, uh, Fennel Godbold, mm -hmm. uh, who played Zoe. I think she did really good. She, uh, she was maybe excellent. it was her accent. I don't know what it is, but I, I liked it a lot. No, she was, she I was she did great. Like she, she, uh, yeah, she was like, scary but also like fill the role of the psychopath really well yes but then and then there's times where she's like oh she's just like being a mom what a nice lady and then she's got this nice relationship and then when they flip it it was like oh god this is insane 
But my question to you, Dan, is I guess you kind of answered it already with the flashbacks. Uh, were they were they too much? Were they you know too much? What's a way that they could have uh, improved on the flashbacks? Then, since we both kind of agree they were a little much narration, um, just less fat flashbacks in general, or um, less characters. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I almost feel like we don't need to know the backstory of the two villains. Right. Maybe of Raven, because she kind of becomes the main character at the end, which is a little surprising. That is true. We, like, even if we knew that Zoe is just hell-bent on mothering a child, we don't need to know. All we need to know is what we learned without the flashback, which was, I lost one as a child, and now, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just a psychopath trying to have one now. And she's infertile. I will say some of the flashbacks were all right. I think the one that was the most egregious was the one in the woods where the flashback was interrupting the action Mm -hmm. and it kept happening over and over again. That was very frustrating for me. I don't know why they did that in this film. Another question for you. I kind of said who my favorite actor was. Did you have a favorite actor in this movie? It's definitely Faneel Godbold. Faneel Godbold. I'm hoping that's how you pronounce it. She was... Absolutely incredible. I Okay, so I liked Max, but I didn't like the way he was written. Because all he does is just talk in movie quotes and movie references. Yeah. And he was good at delivering them. It's an interesting gimmick. And then they, like, they tried to satirize that in and of itself, and that didn't really work. I don't, I don't know. The comedy in it is not what kept me interested in the film. Jared, what kept me interested in the film was the violence, because there were certain moments that I did not, re- I was not expecting to be taken to certain areas mm-hmm. of the human psyche, yeah. and I was. There were a few scenes that made me laugh that were pretty morbid. There were the more like macabre yeah. things that this movie throws at you. Uh, Dan, why don't you ask me another question, and then we'll get into spoilers. Well, Jared, um, I want to know about you, like, in terms of your surprise with the violence. Like, were you genuinely surprised that this film went there in so many ways? It, because, like, it goes pretty quick where you find out, oh, these characters are willing to just straight up kill people really fast and have no remorse So that actually becomes a conflict for me watching it because the movie wants you to care about Raven and her love story. And I felt that like that was so hard to digest because of the amount of violence that she was either willing to do or willing to ignore. Mm. But then for some reason, I was able to accept it more from the crazy couple, like them committing ultra violence for the sake of getting this baby kind of made more sense to me. I guess it's because it's Raven and Glasses. Their love story just didn't work for me in this movie. I will agree with that. Raven's reluctance or lack of reluctance to beat up on Glasses is very off-putting because she's written in such a way that she's supposed to be conflicted, but the level of violence and just the situation, like being shoehorned in that situation... I just have a really hard time believing the conflict because she's she's a complacent partner, if anything, to the psychopaths. I mean, I, she's also very active, too. 
is she acting out of fear or is she acting out of love? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it, she's a confusing character. It's like she's using the crutch of blackmail to pretend that she is not fully involved in the movie. And if that was intentional, I think that's really cool. I just don't know if it was. So we're going to get into spoilers right now. If you'd like to see this movie, it is on Amazon Prime in utero 2019. If you search in utero Freeman into google.com, you can check this movie out. Go check out the IMDb. Go go find it where you're going to find it. So, okay. Dan, we're in spoilers now. Raven, we have to talk about her. What is her freaking deal? She is being blackmailed by the older couple who okay. in the beginning you think is her parents. Go let ahead. us let us kind of chop down what this blackmail is. So yeah, you're, you're right. You think that it's her parents at first, but it's not. So Raven's character is written well because she's complicated in terms of her past because we learned that her dad was touching her. It made you feel gross because wait, is she traveling around with her dad right now? Like, is she stuck in this yeah. relationship? It's, oh God. So that made me feel Oh, weird. can I praise something? Yes. I thought they did a really good job because in the, in the flashback, they don't show the dad's face. And then when they cut to the car, they don't show the person driving for a while. You only see the four women. Yeah. It was very, very well edited. So it gives you the same feeling of like danger. We're in danger, danger, danger. I thought that was really cool. Go ahead. So anyway, this blackmail happens because Zoe convinces Raven to go to her dad's house and kill him. Her his dad's trailer, her dad's trailer. And um, she does, but Zoe is filming the whole thing because blackmail reasons. I yeah, know. it's like they're not even helping her do it. So it's like, what did she even need them for to begin with? It, the blackmail felt strange because, like, she just walks up and stabs him a bunch. She didn't need any help doing that. Well, and we also learned that she was she was homeless or something, or she was about to get raped by a police officer, and then then they help her from that. So I guess they felt she felt indebted. I I don't know. Okay, all right. Maybe maybe her issue as a character is she's too complex or she has too much backstory. I don't know. Mm, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not too much, but she has, for me, too many loose ends that I couldn't quite wrap my head around. I just think make the blackmail stronger. Like, have it to where she's reluctant to kill this person, and then the married couple is like, here, we will help you. Then they make her complicit in it, and they have also filmed it so that she's uh, a part of yeah, it. That and now they're better. like, you, we basically own you now. You are our surrogate daughter. You have to do what we say. He could have went like more kind of manipulative crazy with these characters. I Note think, to in that self, way. do not betray Jared in future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have that video of you eating all those uh, hostess cakes. <laughs> so uh, you don't want that getting out. Dan is just shirtless. He's got like a hostess on each nipple. He's like, oh, I'm a big tubby baby. Covered in chocolate and Twinkies. Oh. Incredible. Incredible. Incredible footage. <laughs> Found footage. They're going to think you're a cryptid. They're going to call him the, the hostess uh, ghoul. Hostess ghoul sighted in New Jersey today. He's, he kicked the Jersey devil right in the ass. Looking for fucking Star Crunch or whatever the fuck. No, those are Little Debbies, I think. <laughs> My window was open and I looked out and all I saw was a Mars bar. It, was a, it must have been that, that Dan cryptid who leaves candies everywhere. 
I love this new cryptid. It's in the zeitgeist now, Dan. It, it can is. become real. Host of school. All right, Jared, let's talk about a scene. I want to talk about the scene that felt problematic, but was also very cool. And the only reason, like, we've kind of already said that it's why, why it's problematic. And it's just the relationship between Glasses and uh, Raven is established. And it feels like there's something there. But whenever she is tasked with having to either beat her up or die, her lack of reluctance is kind of strange given how much she, quote, cares for this person. So what Zoe does is she, um, Raven tries to escape, or not Raven, um, Glasses. She tries to escape many times, and one of the times Zoe catches her. And then she's like, okay, we're going to play a little game of heads or tails. And then she flips a... Oh, this scene. She flips a quarter, and then she makes the pregnant girl who's locked up call in in the air. And then if she loses, and we can just assume that she's always going to win. If Raven loses, she has to physically harm Glasses in one way or another. So what she does is she punches her in the face because Zoe's like puncher and you don't think she's going to do it, but she does it and she does it twice. And it's pretty, pretty nasty. Like just the whole situation. I just feel like she doesn't need much convincing. Cause yes, she's just like punch her. She goes, no, just punch her. Okay. And then she does it. She's like, I'm so sorry, but okay. You are in this situation. Let's go back to when she runs away glasses runs away. They're like, Hey, Raven, go chase after her. Glasses is like, hey, listen, I want to escape, but I also don't want to leave my friend behind. So I'm just going to come back with you. And she's like, listen, I still like you a lot because they were kind of dating previous to this. They just hooked up in a bar. That's all the flashback was. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they're not even like in a real relationship. At that point, if she's already feeling this reluctant, why don't they just both leave together and go get the cops? Yeah. Because later on, they talk about how She's like, oh, I didn't, I wanted to go get the cops, but I didn't want to leave you. And then the pregnant girl is like chastising her for even thinking about running away. I'm like, this is your best chance to be alive. That just didn't make any sense. Because of course you want to escape to get the cops. Because yeah, okay, that could lead to some people getting killed. It's a better outcome than everyone getting killed. You know what I mean? So strange logic. I don't think you put enough faith in Zoe, okay? She's not going to kill anybody. Just kidding. She totally kills people. <laughs> so the ending of this scene where she's telling um, Raven to punch her lover in the face, I think if I'm remembering correctly, Zoe makes her kiss Raven and then yeah. she takes a screwdriver and stabs glasses in the back of the neck and blood goes all over Raven's face. It's like, what the fuck? That's pretty fun. What the fuck? It was pretty fucked up. <laughs> it's pretty fucked I was, up. I was, well, that's where I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this film is not afraid to go places. Yeah, it was really intense. It was a pretty intense scene. I just felt like it could have had more impact depending on how Raven was characterized. It, mm. it just felt odd to me again. Because like, okay, she's being blackmailed. And if she goes to the cops, they're going to turn in that video and then she's going to get arrested for murder. But then at what point is that the risk of, okay, I'll probably go to jail. But if you're really in love with this person, wouldn't you risk going to jail to save their life? No, you will get a bunch of money and go to Mexico. That's what <laughs> everybody does. Well, yeah, that too. You could just escape and not turn them in. They, that's another option. They could just leave the situation. 
They don't need to be there. It's the, the couple and that pregnant woman. Also, pregnant woman should be the main character, right? Like, what's mm -hmm. going on? Why don't we learn anything about her? She's just like a narrative device. I felt that was strange. It should have been more about her. I think it could have been a more interesting dynamic of her, like, not wanting a kid and then her getting accidentally pregnant and then having to deal with that. Here's, that here's, would have been an interesting tit for tat. Here was my impression. My impression of pregnant girl, all of her arguments are just like, well, I don't even know if I want this. And then Zoe's like, it's the mm -hmm. miracle of birth. So it's like, you already have her kind of pushing back against what it means to be a mother. But the tagline or the plot synopsis of this film says that pregnant lady, um, Skylar, Skylar, an expectant mother, will do anything to protect her unborn child. And I'm thinking, would she? Really? She doesn't. The whole movie, she's like, I don't even know if I want this in the first place. Or I don't even yeah. know about birth. Like, I don't know. That that was a really strange part of the story. She doesn't really seem to care about her baby, and she ends up killing her and the baby. Yeah. At the end, she stabs it with an, a shard of glass. So she'd rather kill herself and her baby than let the psychopath take it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, that doesn't seem like protecting your baby. But, like, taking it back to this film's title in utero, it's like... This whole film is about the plight of a mother, I guess, if we can take it that way. But you're right. It just it feels like it would have been more geared to tell me that story if Skylar, the pregnant woman, was the main character. But Raven is a a, a child scorn. So maybe she has mm -hmm. like that element to write her into you know, the, the story proper. There's so much potential in this, in this story because they could have played up the mother daughter relationship between Raven and the mom way more to where she is. Raven is so convinced that she's like jealous of this baby that they want, that she wants. Right. Ooh, she could be like, Hey, I want to be her daughter. That's why I'm here and invested. I actually don't want this stupid baby to come out because I want to be her real daughter, but she doesn't see me that way. And I, you know, like that could be her conflict. So she's crazy and bad, not the main character. Make the pregnant woman the main character. Make it her story of trying to escape and have like more, more of this conflict between like parents and children and the dynamics between that and like, you know, wanting to have a kid and not being able to. So uh, let's get into more positives as we end this. I was going to say, like, you're asking scenes. them to rewrite the movie. I know. I know. It makes sense what you're saying. And I, I like that plot line. But they they did a good job with what they had and what, yes. what they had written. So I'm not really poo-pooing it. It's just it's our preferences leaking through. It's just my opinion. So good stuff. I really liked a lot of the intro scenes where they did the transition shots where they had like the ants and uh, I forget. It was like bees and ants. I wish they kind of did more nature shots in between stuff that was going on. I thought that was really fun. There was even that nice shot of them going over that little bridge when they were heading up to the house. Mm -hmm. I liked all of that. There's a scene where Raven leans on the wall and the wall is broken and she kind of falls through it a bit. That was mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah, I like that. Uh, there's another scene where... They are fighting the man in that bedroom and they literally throw him through a wall like that wall was not broken before. And they broke that wall during that scene. There's a scene where the man is puppeting a dead person and that was really fucked Raven's up. going to do something. And he's like, bye, Raven. Bye. That was really fucked up and great. 
One thing that I did like uh, in the story that was kind of a really cool addition was uh, Max's attachment to this veteran that's just kind of... That was great. He, he's he's squatting in this abandoned house that Max and Zoe have a history with, apparently. And oh, I'm, I was very... Because, like, they introduce him as this this guy who has a bond with Max because Max's dad was a nom and they both fought together. So Max has like a very big appreciation for veterans. Well, that's a good father-son dynamic. That's when the uh, creator of this movie is really hitting on the themes really well. And I yeah. thought it was it worked really well. He, he keeps him tied up and he um, goes to visit him at one point in the film and the veterans like, listen, man, it was back in Nam that all this shit happened and I killed a bunch of people because I heard screams of, you know, a village being pillaged. And mm -hmm. it wasn't unlike the screams that I heard last night. So he like and he looks at him with this like kind of fervor in his eyes and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's going to murder the bad guys. And I was rooting for him. And then and then yeah. Zoe happened. Fucking Zoe shows up. He's like, what? Old man in the fucking shed? Nah, you're dead, bud. And then the best part, Max finds out and he's like, hey, did you kill? Did you kill my, my surrogate dad? She's like, yes, I did. But why don't I give you a blowjob in front of his <laughs> dead body? And you can stare at him while I give you a blowjob. This was giving me Island of Death vibes. And I was like, this is insane. Like, when is the goat going to come out? This was the movie was at its peak of like, okay, okay, movie. I get what you're going for. This is ridiculous. Really crazy. <laughs> what did you think of that scene? I thought it was strange. Yes. Anytime that sex is introduced, it's it's done so in a way that's so bizarre. Like you have the morbidity of that guy in the room. And then later on, or is it later on that they like the there's a couple that just randomly shows up in the house to like have sex? That felt a little random, but it was good to get the body count up because yeah. that was the most enjoyable part of the film. Because like teenagers just find abandoned houses to fool around in, basically, is kind of the deal. Yeah, the, the idea. So they show up and then uh it's it's weird. This movie does patterns back to back, so like blowjob scene in the shed into blowjob scene with that guy and that girl. Like, there's a toilet scene where the pregnant woman goes to piss, and then right after that, there's a scene with Raven going to go piss. And I almost thought that they were trying to imply that Raven was somehow pregnant. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was intentional or not. It'd be interesting if the director would let us know what was going on with that. Anyways, uh, was there any, any other things you wanted to talk about in the film? Um, I think editing probably is the strongest suit here. Yeah. Save for the flashbacks. Cause you include those in editing. Like just, just the way it was edited together. It really um, paced the film out pretty evenly. Acting too was nothing to sneeze at. I have to say, I like once, basically once this film found its bearings, it started, um, you know, it was a little wobbly at first, but then it just kind of went and it was awesome. Yeah, I think uh, Lamb Jessica as Raven, I think she did a pretty good job. There were certain scenes where they gave her these long monologues of her kind of just talking. I, I think those kind of went on a little too long. Mm -hmm. Maybe could have scripted those a, a bit more or, or just reined it back. But other than that, it was her. I, I'm pretty sure this is her first acting role in a film and I thought she did really good, especially in the more like back and forth dialogue scenes. I really enjoyed those a lot. This is a good first effort. 
Um, very interesting ideas. I like his weird trauma nature of like these stories and how morbid and crazy they yeah. are. <laughs> I I want to see more of it. I want I want this director to go even more insane. Like just get it really crazy. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, this guy does a lot of shorts. Yeah, I kind of want to check him out. He does a lot of shorts if you look him up on IMDb. Salute your shorts. That's what I say. So, uh, yeah, Dan, I guess this is our final thoughts, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As always, guys, you can find us on Twitter at IndieFilmPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieFilmReviewPod. You can email us at TheIndieFilmReview at gmail.com. Um, we have a Patreon that you can support us if you would like, um, but the primary purpose of that Patreon page is if you are a filmmaker and you do not want to wait in our six-month-long wait list for your film to be reviewed, you can spend $5 and get your film bumped up to a shorter list that will aid in getting your press distributed faster. Absolutely. And, I mean, you could, uh, you know, if you like the show, it'd be nice to give us a little tip couple bucks here and there uh we'll also answer some questions and stuff if you guys uh pay enough i think that's one of the tiers there so yeah um you can if you can or you don't have to it's fine we're fine but it would be nice necropodicon network that is the network we are associated with go to necropodicon.com and click on the click clink on the click. go to necropod i know right Go to necropodicon.com and click on the link to the Discord and come talk to us and hang out. You can go check out all the other cool shows we have on there. We're kind of running long, so I'm going to cut this short. Thank you all again for listening and submitting. I really appreciate I know I say that a lot, but I, actually, I, I genuinely mean it. Thank you so much. Dan, you have the final word. Yes, as you can see... Um, in utero, they actually took away from producer Step Big or Step Big Butch Big, and he they they went with a guy with a new sound to try to like you know again get rid of the mainstream feel of it. Mm. I'll, I'll stop now. <laughs> you want me to suck your dick while you're saying? This? No, no, no. Thank you. Oh, I'm okay. Fine. Is that is this? Uh... <laughs> <laughs>